Welcome to Me, Myself, and Millie, a podcast that gives light and levity to infertility and different pathways to parenthood. I'm your host, Millie Brooks, and this is season five and the very very first episode of 2022. Happy New Year, everyone. I hope this year brings you joy in ways that you never predicted. Um, today's episode is featuring returning guest and loyal supporter of the pod, Jamie Selwa. You may know her from Infertile Chronicles on Instagram, or maybe you remember her from episode 61 about finding humor in your journey. Welcome back, Jamie. Hi, Millie. Thank you so much for having me again. Well, I feel like, so the last time you were here, it was also around this time. And um, since then, we actually met for pizza. We did. It was amazing. It was amazing. I mean, like taking, you know, online friendships offline and having pizza, I mean... It doesn't get much better than that. It doesn't. It really doesn't. And it's just the Instagram community. And I've just met so many amazing people like you. And just to be able to meet you in person, even though you live across the U.S. Yes. It's nice to have those friendships, mm -hmm. you know, and especially over COVID. I feel like, you know, um, having friends in a community online destigmatized that idea and it's just kind of normal now. Definitely, I totally agree and that was the easiest way I think in general to meet other people going through infertility and then like you said, tack on that we're all in this new virtual world. It yeah. definitely made it even more normal to have so many virtual remote friends. I totally agree. Also, um guys, Jamie was the one that told me to watch Sex Life on Netflix. I did. <laughs> Guilty. I feel like we, that, that, I mean, <laughs> I will never get back those three weeks of my life, but they were well spent. And I have I have a friend to blame who passed, passed the recommendation on to me. So it's just oh. the gift that keeps on giving. Just it really is. It really is. <laughs> and, you know, they got renewed for a season two. It's coming out um, this summer, 2022. Yes. Um, so mark your calendars. Don't mm -hmm. don't do anything during that time. <laughs> Get ready. Well, Jamie, let's let's start kind of where you know we last chatted on the air, which was um, you were gearing up for your second frozen embryo transfer and a lot has shifted since then. So catch us catch up catch us up to speed on your story. Yeah, oh my goodness. In some ways that feels like yesterday and in some ways it feels like a lifetime ago because as you noted a lot has actually changed. So to look back and think since the last time we were recording the podcast um so we had our second transfer which unfortunately failed. And we had really like an aha moment with our clinic as, okay, we have two embryos left from this first egg retrieval. What's next? You know, what are we going to do different this transfer? What do, like we were searching for answers really as anybody does when you're going through infertility. 
And we weren't really getting any answers. We were just getting that we were still within statistics and, you know, we'll try again. So at that time, while prepping for our third transfer, I just started to look up some other clinics in the area. And there was another pretty highly recommended clinic in my area. So I set up a consultation with them as really a backup plan in case that third transfer didn't work because I'm very much a planner and I needed to know if something was going to happen, what were we going to do next? So timing was a little little funny. We actually had the consultation with our new clinic three days before our transfer. So I kind of went in with, listen, I'm going into a transfer, but here's our scenario. Here's our situation. The um, doctor I talked to was great. He said, here's what I would do differently. Here's what we would do. But hopefully I don't see you. Hopefully this transfer works and you you don't need to come to my clinic. Um, unfortunately, that wasn't the case. We found out that our third transfer failed. So I jumped right into going to a new clinic. And that just felt right for us because, again, we had done an egg retrieval and three transfers this po- at this point with our current clinic. And I just felt like I needed a new doctor. I needed, you know, a new recommendation and just a fresh set of eyes and a fresh plan. So we moved forward around November of last year with our new clinic. We did have one embryo left at our old clinic, and we actually transferred that over, which that was quite an experience. Um, Over some time off um, on the holiday break last year, I actually picked up our one existing embryo from our last clinic in the tank and took it to our new clinic. Um, so, you know, got a little, little joy ride around with, with our one last embryo and, uh, went to Cedar Point, went to the museum, (laughs) went to, no, just kidding. You know, I drove like a grandma down, down the the highway, but luckily the clinics were really only 20 minutes away, (laughs) but that was kind of just a fun experience to get to do, um, again, because the clinics were so close. So we, The plan was that we would do a new egg retrieval with our new clinic and we would test the embryos this time because we hadn't tested our embryos last time. It wasn't a recommendation. And we would take that one that we had left from our last clinic and go ahead and test it as well. So we geared up um, in December of last year for another transfer, or I'm sorry, for another egg retrieval. And we had our second egg retrieval. So first egg retrieval with the new clinic in January. And something kind of odd happened. We we got five eggs, which was very, very different than what we got at our last clinic. We had 16 eggs that made four embryos at our last clinic. So we got five eggs at our new clinic, um, but all of the numbers were, were really actually doing pretty well in terms of all five matured, uh, four fertilized. We ended up with four that we were watching on the last day. And then we were able to take to send off two for testing along with the one from our last clinic. So we sent those off for testing, and that was my first experience with the PGT testing. And, you know, we waited another like dreaded two-week wait. You're just waiting to get the answers. And we got the dreaded news that I never expected, which was that none of the embryos came back normal. So the two from our new cycle and the one from our last cycle, they were all abnormal. So we were kind of back to square one. We geared up for another egg retrieval. This time my doctor said, I'm really going to focus on a little bit of a different protocol. We're going to 
throw in some Clomid. We're going to try to go back to to quantity along with quality. Um, and so we had our second egg retrieval at the new clinic in April and we got 16 eggs again. So I was feeling really good because here we were, we got the same amount we got the first time. Hopefully this meant quality and quantity for us. Mm -hmm. So we, um, we had 16 eggs. We had a decent number. I think we had like 13, maybe mature, about 12 fertilized. I know we were looking at around like 10 or 12 on day three. And then we got that call with how many we were sending off for testing and it was only one. And I was just heartbroken because I thought, wow, we had 16 and now we're at one. This is the lowest we've ever sent off. This is, mm-hmm. you know, the least amount we've ever had at day five. So we sent that one off and it also came back abnormal. So then in May, we were kind of in a, my husband and I were in a, like a regrouping phase. We were like, look, we've switched clinics. We've had three egg retrievals. We've had three transfers. We've been trying testing. We're giving this new clinic a shot. And I really felt like I can't keep doing the same thing. I just can't keep going through the same motions, doing the same thing and expecting different results. So I honestly looked to some of the Instagram community and friends that I had made for recommendations Mm -hmm. just to understand, you know, here's our situation. Are there things I'm missing? Are there tests we should be doing? I know everybody is so, so different. So I was taking everything with a grain of salt. Yeah. But I was almost just searching for some help. And what can I ask my doctor? Where can I get some advice? Right. Just crowdsourcing something to bring back to the table. Exactly. And I wanted to I wanted to advocate for myself, as we all talk about in this community. And I wanted to, when we had that regroup with my doctor in May, I wanted to come to the table with here's my questions and I'm not going to keep doing the same thing. We can't keep shelling out the money, the time, the emotions, everything that comes with these egg retrievals to get nothing in the end. And what, what are we going to do differently? Mm -hmm. Um, and I had a couple of people that I knew and that I met with in the community tell me to look at a day three transfer. Mm -hmm. And it's not something that I had ever thought about because really, it almost felt like going backwards a little bit. Here we were waiting for embryos to get to day five and test them. And now I want to ask my doctor about a day three transfer. But when talking to our embryologist and taking a look back at our last two cycles, we actually discovered that where we were losing more than half of our embryos was at day three. So around day three, we would end up having, in April, we ended up having about 10 that we were watching, and then it went down to one by day five. Mm. So that was a big like red flag indicator, what's happening here. And as I've heard many times, labs can be amazing and they can be as best as they can be. But I've also heard, you know, they're not going to be as good as, as the human body. And that lab isn't as good as your uterus. Mm. Yeah. So... So we ask our doctor when we had that kind of like, what's next um, appointment, do we do another egg retrieval and do we try a day three transfer? You know, let let everything else keep going and, and test them if we want, but just try a day three transfer to see, to try something new. Mm-hmm. And my doctor actually, he was very on board and he said, given our 
um, our history so far, that's actually what he was going to recommend too. Mm. So we kind of decided that was our next plan of action. And then in the process of prepping, something he, my doctor doesn't normally do, but he recommended that we transfer two, not for the chance of twins, but just to help increase our odds. Because again, we were losing so many at day three and you can't go back once you, once you hit day four, you can't go back. So we had decided that we would do the egg, re- egg retrieval in July and then do transfer two fresh on day three. Wow. Yeah. So, and, and that's what we did. Um, we did that in July. We transferred two, the best two embryos at day three, um, per the recommendation of our embryologist and, um, just feel very fortunate. One of them, one of them stuck and we're now currently almost 23 weeks pregnant. Oh my gosh, Jamie. I'm just like, I mean, this is your second time doing a fresh transfer though, right? Yes. Tell us a little bit about what that felt like. I mean, you kind of talked about how it felt like you were going backwards. Mm -hmm. Like, Share more about that. Yeah. So our very first transfer ever was a day five fresh transfer. So when we jumped into IVF in March of 2020, we did an egg retrieval and a day five transfer. And then, of course, we did a couple frozen. We did a couple rounds of IVF and tested and then and then did the day three transfer. And for me, it for a little while, it felt like, again, like going backwards. Like, are we, you know, here we are trying to eliminate all failures or all risk by doing the testing and doing frozen and prepping my body specifically just for a frozen transfer versus doing the egg retrieval and then jumping into a a day three transfer. And I had to really think about, you know, is, is this the right answer? And does it feel like we, we have the power to have a lot of information, but we're not taking it? And we decided not to look at it that way because we tried that. We went that path of having all the information. We went the path of testing. We went the path of not testing and trying frozen. And you know, it just seemed like, is this not what my body, you know, is that not what's going to work for me? And again, knowing that we were losing, we lost nine embryo, nine embryos in April, right after day three. And my thought was, are they just not, you know, do they just need my uterus as, you know, as ridiculous as it sounded, did they just need to grow? Mm -hmm. Did we need to give them a chance in my, in my uterus is really how I felt. And I was just pulled to at least try it because again, we had been at the point where it's like, what, what's it going to hurt to try? Yeah. Yeah. So you transferred two of your best embryos from that cycle. Did you have any other embryos? Mm-hmm. Yep. We actually have four frozen right now that made it to day five. Okay. And did you decide to test those? We didn't at that time, but we have them. So if we want to, um, it, for a for second child, mm-hmm. um, we can thaw them and test them. Got it. Got we it. We figured we'll we'll figure all of that out when we we cross that bridge. <laughs> Did you have any complications with this fresh transfer? Yeah, not specifically with the transfer. The only thing that was a little difficult and worried me 
was that fourth egg retrieval in July was probably one of my worst recovery. Um, and I will admit it was my own fault. I went into that egg retrieval and I think I felt like this is my fourth time. I got this. I know what I'm doing. You know, I relaxed. I hydrated that day. The next day I felt amazing. I was going to the grocery store. I was walking my dogs and that was a mistake. So mm-hmm. I have a recommendation. If Even if you feel a-okay after an egg retrieval, like relax and take your time because I, I, I just got very sore that night. I was very bloated. Mm. So I went into the transfer that Monday, three days later, a little nervous, like, what did I do? It, you know, just nervous that what, what I had done to my body was going to potentially impact our transfer. Mm. Yeah. But the actual transfer went fine. It was funny when my doctor was transferring, he did say, gosh, you're, you're, you're very bloated and it looks like a war zone in here, but, but everything, everything went fine. Wow. That just goes to show you, you just never know. Like the conditions could be perfect in there and it could fail or it could look like a war zone and you could find yourself 23 weeks pregnant talking on a podcast. Exactly. And I get, I feel really bad that I do not have a good answer for this, but I do get asked, what did you do differently this time? Or how was this egg retrieval different? Or, you know, why do you think you got five in January, five eggs in January, and then you consistently get 16 every other time? And I don't have an answer. I really don't. And I know I think that's hard because with science, we want we want to believe that we can get those specific answers and we feel like we should, but there's still just so much we don't know about this. And there's still, you know, just so much trial and error. And I remember back in May talking when we were talking to my doctor, he's like, You are on paper, you're a great candidate for this. You have blocked tubes. We should be able to bypass all of this. There's nothing saying there's anything wrong anywhere else. And, you know, at one point he had said, you just have bad luck. And I was like, I can't. That's so hard to swallow because how do you, how do you solve for that? Like, here I am saying, tell me what to do. Do I need to be on a different diet? Do I need to strictly cut out, you know, certain foods? Should I, is there a lifestyle change? Like I was ready to do whatever I needed to do. And my doctor's like, you're doing everything that you need to do. And that's really, really hard to hear. And I think that's that's partially why we said, you know what? When we go into this fourth egg retrieval in July, we got to do something different. And we don't know what else to do with the egg, egg retrieval. So let's change the transfer protocol. Yeah. Wow. I'm. I'm also really pleasantly surprised that your doctor was also secretly thinking about the same plan. Me too. Me too. I was so relieved because I had, we actually had two different calls in May. I remember the first one was shortly after we found out we didn't have, um, that our one embryo we sent off in April was abnormal. So I didn't have a lot of time to prep like questions or anything. But I remember just asking a few things off the top of my head, like vitamins and diet and is there additional testing? And then I kind of like regrouped for a couple weeks and asked a few people that I knew and 
um, pulled the community a little bit on on advice and tips and went back to him. And that's when I felt like I had very, you know, I had a written out thorough plan and tons of questions I wanted to ask him. Mm-hmm. And one of the first questions I asked, and I wasn't sure his reaction was, do we do a day three, especially knowing that we're losing half of our embryos or more after that? And, you know, just his response of, I was thinking the same thing. I was like, wow, okay, few, because I didn't feel like I had to put up my guard and 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 fight for this. Right. Um, or feel like, you know, well, is this a is this a a, a ridiculous recommendation? You know, just his relief of like, yeah, I want to try something new with you. Let's do it. Yeah. It, it just made me feel really good. And I think goes to show the power again of doing your research and advocating for yourself as well. Many people nowadays are pursuing frozen transfers over fresh transfers um, because of PGS testing. But your situation Mm -hmm. was kind of the opposite. You were a prime example of someone who needed to do a fresh transfer, day three transfer. What did that feel like knowing that information? Yeah, it's, well, of course, my mind first went to like, why don't we do this sooner? I don't know if a lot of people do that when you actually have something you're like, or when you do a test and, and you find out something about yourself. You know, when I had surgery in July of 2019 and we finally found out my tubes were blocked, I'm like, why didn't we do this two years ago? But I had to, I have to look at the whole thing, our whole journey as the journey. And we wouldn't have probably came to the conclusion to go back to trying afresh had we not had you know, the failures with frozen and then had the failures with sending our embryos off for testing. So it's definitely goes to show that like, you can't compare your journey with anybody else, which is unfortunate because you can have the same diagnosis as somebody and two and different things work. Yeah. So I had to really like, you know, at first it's easy to kind of go down a rabbit hole of like, could I have caught this sooner? Should we have done it sooner? But most of the time you, you've got to go through, you know, those steps and you've got to go through each step along the way to get to what actually could work for you. Yep. Yep. Well, was there any further testing you wanted to do in utero when you found out that one of the embryos stuck around, um, that you ended up doing? Yeah. So we talked to our fertility doctor as well as our OB about this once we transferred, once we moved over to our, to my OB. She knew our history with everything. We did the 13-week genetic testing and that's, that's all that we did other than the 20-week anatomy scan that we just had a couple weeks ago. Um, there wasn't anything else recommended necessarily for us to test, especially since everything was coming back normal. Mm-hmm. Um, so we didn't. And I honestly kind of just started to look at like, well, you know, anyone else who doesn't do IVF doesn't know anything about their embryos going into it. I mean, even when you do IUI, exactly. you don't know anything else or when you get pregnant naturally. So, cause, cause my mind went to what should we be doing? And yeah. then it's like, well, wait a minute. It, nobody else has the opportunity to test embryos unless you're doing IVF. So now we're in this bucket where all right, we'll we'll do what our OB recommends. 
Yeah. And that first 13-week screening, you know, if anything comes back abnormal, they they tend to just push you for more testing. Yes. But but because yours came back normal, um and and your anatomy scan, how did your anatomy scan go? Yeah, everything went well. It went great. Um everything looked good. There was no cause for concern no reason or recommendation for continued testing, which is, like you said, how it was at week 13. So we didn't opt for anything else. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. That's really incredible. Yes. Because I know that when I did my mosaic embryo episode, the suggestion from my doctor was like, hey, listen, you know, if you, you know, definitely do these tests, if one of your mosaic embryos sticks, you know, in utero. And that can kind of um, make you feel maybe a little bit more comfortable and make sure things are normal. So it sounds like mm-hmm. that's how it was for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so if anyone is listening um, and considering a fresh transfer, do you have any advice or words of wisdom to pass on to them? Yeah, I think if you are in the situation where you feel like that is a good next step for you, definitely bring it up with your doctor. And if it's something that you feel passionate about, especially if you've kind of gone through the route of other other scenarios and it hasn't worked, then you know, advocate for yourself and ask your doctor if they're not on board with it, it you know, ask them why. And also take the opportunity to talk to your embryologist. I never really thought about that before. I knew that they were the ones calling me and giving me the updates in terms of how many, you know, at each step of the way, how many we had. But I actually took the time after our um, last cycle in April and specifically just talked to the embryologist and said, what were our numbers at this day? What were our numbers at this day? They can't give you, at least in my case, they weren't giving me recommendations on what to do, but they could give me the facts that, okay, day three, you had 10. um, And then right after that, it dropped down to one. Um, So I would say also, you know, take that time to be able to have that call with the lab if you can. And sometimes, you know, just, just trusting your gut. In this case, it just is what felt right for us to try and do. And that, you know, and ultimately it's just, it's wild. I can't, you know, I can't think back and say like, well, what if we didn't? I mean, there are times that I'm like, what if we decided not to do this? Or what if we only transferred one? Mm -hmm. And it's just, you know, so much of this journey is, it's just so crazy that sometimes everything just has to line up and, and it is what works. And I know that's so frustrating, but, um, you know, just back to your, back to your question, Millie, I would just say you know, advocate for yourself, do your research. And if it feels right to you and that's what you want to do, um, then make sure that you really talk to your doctor and ask, ask about that option. Yeah. I think it's a really, you know, they say it's just like a numbers game after you do the retrieval, you know, you could be, there could be a huge drop off rate, but you know, you could end up with some healthy embryos or you could only, you know, um, retrieve three eggs, but all three of them become, 
you know, normal embryos. You know, it, mm-hmm. it, it's a crazy numbers game. Mm-hmm. And so I think that you're right to like kind of look if after a few retrievals and you're seeing a pattern on day threes and day fives, like to take note of that mm-hmm. and ask your ask those questions. I also think I know a lot of people who um, go through IVF because of genetic um, reasons. And so you and your husband, did you ever do any genetic testing yourself? Yeah, and that's a really good point. So if you do have to, if you have to genetically test your embryos because you're carriers for something that then in this case, that definitely wouldn't, wouldn't be something that would work for you. Um, but yes, my husband and I, we did like the karyotype screening. And then we also did some additional blood work with our new clinic just as part of their protocol. And nothing came back for us. Um, nothing came back that we were both carriers for. So that's a, a really good call out, Millie. We didn't have anything in terms of um, our genetic screening, mm-hmm. that would say we needed we needed to test them. So, got it. Yeah, that's a that's a very good point. And ending on a sublime note, how does it feel to be pregnant over the holidays? Oh my goodness, it is. It's still so surreal. It's wild how real uh, or how how surreal. It feels. Um, I mean, there are some days I still almost don't believe it um, and have to pinch myself every day. And, you know, I I wake up and I just think, am I dreaming? Mm -hmm. And the holidays, one thing for me is the last four holidays have just been so hard. And I don't think I realized how hard they they were. Mm -hmm. I love Christmas and I just quickly over the years lost all of my holiday spirit. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I just want to say my heart goes out to anybody who's still going through this because I know how hard, especially the holidays can be and how you want to enjoy them. And it just steals your, it steals all of your joy. Oh, yeah. There's still a piece of my heart, you know, that goes out for everybody still in that boat. Um, But I really do think you know, just thank my lucky stars every single day. And I'm trying to take it day by day. I don't take anything for granted. Um, you know, even a little bit of insomnia or back pain, I'm like, I'm here, I'll take this. If this is what I'm going to get, it means I'm pregnant and mm-hmm. it's going to be great and it's going to be fine. And especially to have this during the holidays is, um, it definitely makes it an extra special time. Yeah. I think that's really astute the point that you brought up about how you didn't know how um, low you had gotten during the holidays until you were kind of on the other side of it. And Mm -hmm. I think that's really, I totally just agree with that because um, it, you just keep going and you, you, you kind of like, I felt like I was gray you know, like mm-hmm. my whole demeanor, my whole attitude was just kind of gray. Um, yes. And I, there wasn't a lot of color in my, in my perception of life. And, um, and I think that like, um, 
the holidays are just really a time to like um when you're going through infertility to just really be aware of that mm-hmm. that it is so hard it's really like trudging through muck it is and i think you really have to forgive yourself because it's easy to beat yourself up especially during the holidays if you're going to be around family um you got to set those boundaries you know of either not attending things or you know, setting a time limit on how long you are somewhere, that's not greedy to do any of that. Because as much as you try to fake it, if you're not having a good time and you're struggling, it's it's not it's not helping anybody, especially you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one thing that I've learned through the uniquely knitted program and going to therapy is, you know, boundaries are they're necessary. And your friends and family will understand them. Um, if they truly, you know, love you and want to support you, they're going to understand those boundaries and you got to really do them over the holidays. Oh yeah, you really do. And I also, I heard this earlier. I think somebody mentioned this on Instagram, but you know, a reminder that you can always just text people whether or not you want to talk about certain things mm-hmm. um, during the holidays. Like just sending, you know, a quick text like, hey, we're still in the thick of this and it's not really something we want to bring up over the turkey and cranberry sauce. Yes, that's such a good point. I was actually just telling my friend about how there are so many times that I would be going somewhere and think, I don't want to talk about our infertility today. And then there are so many times I would be going and be like, I want to, and then be upset if nobody asked me about it. Mm, mm-hmm. But it's never, people can't read your mind. So yeah. I think that's such a good point to either call out, hey, I'm in a, you know, I'm in an okay spot that if you want to, I'm okay talking about it tonight. Yeah. And I would love to tell you about my feelings. Or the opposite. Hey, we're still in the thick of it. I don't I, I don't want to talk about it tonight. Can we not? Yeah. I think being open about both of those, because I've been in the situation where I'm like, why is nobody we just had a failed trans transfer? Why is nobody asking me about this? Yeah. <laughs> and I would want to talk about it. Yeah. But nobody knew if I didn't tell them. Yeah. Oh, I love that. No, it's true because like sometimes, you know, I know I actually know someone who has a daughter who's going through IVF. And and she said to me straight out, like, I don't ask. I just don't ask. And I'm like, well, that might work some of the time. But what if she wants you to ask? You know, like, because sometimes mm-hmm. people want to know that, um, I don't know, sometimes they want to be seen with it. Yeah. Know that you're thinking of them, Mm -hmm. but they think I can't bring it up because they don't want to talk about it. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think it's like, give yourself permission to just be as transparent as you want with people. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Well, Jamie, how can people follow you and the rest of your journey? Yeah. I'm on Instagram as infertile chronicles, just all one word. And that's where I'm still, I feel like I'm always a part of the infertility community. So I'm I'm still sharing some things, um, hopefully to help support people in the thick of it. Um, but then also, you know, help shed a little bit of light too for infertility or pregnancy after infertility, because that's a 
whole new thing to navigate as well. Yeah, it really is. Well, I'm so glad that you agreed to come on today, Jamie, and help people um, navigate this part of you know, the IVF process, because you really don't hear a lot of fresh transfer stories. Mm-hmm. I agree. No, I'm, I'm happy to be a part of it. Thank you for having me, Millie. All right. Talk to you soon. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Me, Myself, and Millie. Follow us on Instagram at Me, Myself, Millie for more podcast updates. If you enjoyed the show, please like and subscribe and share on social media. A special thanks to my husband, Rowan Brooks, for technical support and Cal Reichenbach, who did all the music you heard in this episode. You can check him out at calzonemusic.com. Thanks, cutie bombs, and see you next week. Bye.